traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Because it's stressful. I mean, it's 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 grad school. It's a doctorate program. It's not easy. Yeah. You know, you've been through one. It's it's not easy. Yeah. Um, and you went the route that um, is opposite the way of I learned. So you went the hard route, in my opinion. Mm. Not to mention that you had a lot of other hurdles um, to accomplish. So salute to you. But it was a lot harder than I anticipated. The stress. How do you manage the stress? How do you manage the stress? And then the social issues that are going on above that. So mm. I kind of carry the mantle of what a successful black man looks like, man look like, okay. right? Because now I was all of a sudden representation of all black people yeah. to my counterparts, right? To my colleagues, mm-hmm. to my uh, superiors. I was the representation of black people to my peers, my equal. I was the representation of black people. So that was, a, that was a heavy weight to carry. And it was, it was a lot of stress. Are you looking to buy or sell your home? but not quite sure if now is the right time? Well, contact Morgan & Co. and allow them to help you make that decision. Morgan & Co. is a leading, top-producing company in Central Virginia. Contact Morgan & Co. today at 804-874-6806 or anytime, day or night, at www.morganandcorealty.com. Now back to the episode. Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast, where I find regular people doing extraordinary and phenomenal things in corporate America and entrepreneurship. Of course, I'm your host, Dr. K. I have with me today an amazing guest, Dr. Tayshawn Duff, traveled all the way here from Charlotte, North Carolina. I can't believe you made it all the way here. I know my private jet was running a little <laughs> late, but I was able to I was able to cut some time going straight over the Atlantic instead of around it. Oh, up and over approach. That's yeah, what you took. Up and over, up and over. So, uh, no, it's good to be here, man. I appreciate it. I've been watching this for a while and glad I finally I finally made it. You know, I feel successful enough to to make it. <laughs> I would change one thing, though. I'm What's not that? a regular person doing extraordinary things. I'm an extraordinary person doing regular things. Oh, man, that's, that's fantastic. Why, why did you actually flip it like that? Well... Truth be told, I, I, I want to, we should be able to, for my, for my legacy, I want to be able to kind of change a narrative and one, to recognize people as extraordinary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, you're an extraordinary person automatically. And then the extraordinary things, the things that you would do that would normally be seen as extraordinary, I want it to be an everyday thing. Yeah. Just man. like, man, this is a regular routine you know, success should be regular for, you know, the people in our family, the people in my family, my kids, my kids, kids and stuff like that. Wow. That's a, that's a amazing approach. I mean, you came out the, uh, you came out the gate swinging. I wasn't expecting that. <clears throat> what, what, what are you a doctor of? What do you do? So I am a doctor of physical therapy. I graduated with that degree in 2016. 
Okay. Um, from Lynchburg College, now University of Lynchburg. It's a university now. Um, but yeah, so that is in the healthcare uh, field. Physical therapy is kind of a broad spectrum. I mean, you could be a physical therapist in the hospital, in the nursing home, for professional sports teams, um, or to, you know, the regular person who hurt their knee or sprained their ankle or the six-year-old gymnast that, you know, hurt her knee or something like okay. that. So it's pretty it's pretty broad. Um, but yeah, I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Um, that's what I've wanted to do for uh, for a long time. It worked out. With, with it being so broad, what's your specialty within that field? I'm glad you asked. Because I am a specialist, a board certified specialist. Okay. <laughs> a board certified specialist. Less than 1%, less than 10%, I'm sorry, of all physical therapists actually attain this. So physical therapy is in the spectrum of healthcare is a relatively young field. Okay. Right. You've had doctors and physicians and even nurses that span span back all the way to Aristotle's time. Um, But in the 1920s really is where physical therapy really started to develop. And within the past, you know, 50 years is where it started to take off. Um, So it actually just became a doctoring profession within the last 20 years. Yeah. So when you say doctor of physical therapy, a lot of people don't know that physical therapists are doctors or are a doctoring profession, um, depending on what setting you're in. Um, And so you have the for that reason, every physical therapist doesn't have to specialize. Hmm. So a specialty is an optional above and beyond qualification, certification um, criteria that you have to meet. So I decided to specialize in orthopedics. Orthopedics, for those who don't know, are just muscles, bones, joints, ligaments. Okay. You know, you see an athlete sprain his ACL, that's orthopedic. You see Miss Susie get a hip replacement, that's orthopedic. Yeah. Really, I didn't know that. I I always um, associated orthopedics with the foot. I think about like shoes as that's podiatrist. So the podiatry, you know, that kind of aspect is still the same. Okay. So yeah, podiatrist specializes in just the foot, but the orthopedics is any muscle, bone, ligament in the body. Uh, we treat okay. anything, and a lot of people don't know that we treat anything okay. from headaches and dizziness and concussion. To the foot, plantar fasciitis, sprained ankle, um, anything. So you really have to be kind of a. I think a physical therapist is kind of like a melting pot master of all trade because we need to know a little bit about everything, mm-hmm. and then a lot of our specialty of what 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 we know. Um, so there's there is some crossover there, um, but yeah, that's, that's that's what we do. So. The, the road to becoming a specialist or orthopedic specialist, um, there's really two options you can do. You can go to a residency, which is a formalized postdoctorate program, right? Uh-huh. Or you can just study. You can just study research, study material, get enough experience, clinical hours, and then sit for an exam. So there's a specialty exam that you have to take seven hours long, 200 uh-huh. questions. If you pass that, then you're awarded. Okay. I, I would take... I mean, not I would take, but I would assume that the secondary approach of doing it on your own and just studying is longer. Is that true? Yeah. Well, yeah, because you have to have if you don't go through a residency, which kind of fast tracks you, then you have to have, um, a, I think it's a thousand hours of clinical practice. So you have to be practicing for a few years okay. to get that experience, so to speak. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and without that, so it, it does take longer because you have to meet certain qualifications and criteria in order to be eligible to sit for the exam. And then you have to study and learn the material on your own, which is possible. I have a lot of colleagues who have done that. For me, I, I just know how I learn. So I went the residency route okay. um, and that worked better for me. And how's that? How do you learn? Uh, by doing, by example. I think uh, I was talking to somebody or I might I might have read it. That, and I agree with it, that a lot of black people, and I hate making black people stare uh, over generalizations, but a lot of black people learn by seeing other people do something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like, show me. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't want to be the first black to do nothing. Like, show me. And then, yeah. all right, you yeah. do it, then I can do it. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I think that helps you to understand, first of all, that it's even possible to achieve. Right. Um, sometimes we have limiting beliefs that block us, but, um, but go ahead. Yeah, if I see it done, then I know it's possible. And then I can take it further from there. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, for for me, I had to, one, I know I knew what residency offered. So for residency, um, I learned, like I've never been the type to learn from an online class. Okay. Out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Like you tell me there's a deadline three months in advance, I'm going to forget about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're gonna wait like 89 days to do it. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna, if it's due tomorrow, I'll yeah. do tomorrow. Okay. So I knew I would have mentors that would I would see. I had seven mentors, great mentors that I was able to learn from, get all their years of knowledge and experience to really help slingshot my career forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned in the classroom. Um, I did my residency during the pandemic during 2020. So we had dedicated oh. time where the the world slowed down. So I was just able to learn research and observe and, and just really perfect my craft during that time. Cause there was nothing else to do. Mm. Um, so just the hands-on approach, the, you know, reading out of a textbook, the physical application of it is really demonstration. Like is how I learned the best. So I knew self-study wasn't, and the exam is hard. Yeah. Like the exam is hard. Like everyone leaves out. I thought for sure I failed the exam. Like hands, I, I knew, I failed that exam. Okay. Walking out. And it takes three months to grade, so you don't get your results back for three wait, months. Wait, 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 wait. So so you take an exam mm-hmm. and and I think we all can kind of relate to um the the, the stress of wanting to know well, yeah. whether you passed exactly. an exam or whether you made it through. And you gotta wait three months. It wasn't stressful for me because I knew I failed. <laughs> like I knew. Like I like I wanna I knew that I failed that exam. Okay. It was 200 questions. It was yeah. give you seven hours. Well, seven it's six, hours. It's a six hour exam. You get a one hour break. I used all my time, but 13 minutes. God. And I never like all my time. I always, you know what you don't, but yeah. the questions are so ambiguous that it's like, you can narrow it down to two answers uh-huh. and then it's like, Ooh, we can go either way. There's so much room for interpretation. Uh-huh. So it's a lot of practical stuff in that exam, or so it's not like a, okay. They're case scenarios. You got a patient that has this, this, and this. What would you do first? Mm-hmm. What I do first might be different from what you do first. And both could be right. And both could be right. Wow. So, so it's that type of thing. So they get the results. It's a whole panel that grades it. Mm-hmm. They take it through a preliminary test run. They throw out some questions. If more than twenty percent of the people get the question wrong, they throw it out. And they do another regression analysis. Then they do another analysis. Then they grade on a bell curve. You just have to be smarter than 20% of the people to take it. <laughs> so if you luck up and take it with people that aren't as smart as you, 
I don't know if that's true exactly. That's my. That's how I see. It. That's how I see. It. Okay. Um, don't go Google that and, <laughs> and come back. Um, but yeah, and so it just takes a long time for for those results to come back. And yeah. um, I did. I did well. Mm-hmm. You need to be in the a certain percentile, and I, I actually did really well in a lot of the breakdowns. So, what did it mean when you, um, you know? received your completion and and found out that you had passed, what did you gain, receive? Like, what did that mean for you professionally? Okay, professionally. um, It meant something professional and personal. I'll answer professional first. Okay. Professionally, it meant that now that designation separates you leaps and bounds from the competition, so to speak. I went from being a generalist to just a physical therapy. You know, you get all those names, letters behind your name. Uh Well, you get orthopedic clinical specialist, which now means you've been slingshotted to the top 7% of the PT population. God, nationwide? Nation, world, worldwide. Because it's a world. God, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's really um, good credential to have. Uh-huh. It's a really good credential to have. Um, it means I'm a specialist now. So I'm listed as a specialist. If people look for a specialist in orthopedics, my name pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, there's also a weight. Well, there's a pay increase. Okay. That that works really well. Um, but then there's a responsibility behind it. If somebody, specialists don't just get a lot of something. They get the most complicated versions of that. Right. right. So now everybody getting, else has tried. Everyone else has tried. Yeah. So now it's on you to think uniquely and outside the box and figure out problems that nobody else could solve. So there's a responsibility with that. You can't just, you know, get it. And and then every three years, well, every 10 years, but they go in three-year increments, you have to refresh and keep that up. So now it's a lifelong journey, right? Okay. Because medical knowledge is advancing so quick, mm-hmm. so quickly. What I learned even in 2016, 2013 to 2016 when I was in school, a lot of that information is obsolete now. That fast. That fast. Okay. And so I have to always keep up with the newest research, the newest understanding. Um, I mean, they're still finding out new body parts, huh? new ligaments in the knee. Yes. Within the past five years, they've discovered a possible new ligament in the knee. How old is the human body? Right. So there's a lot out there that we still don't know and understand. And so there's a lot of it's, it's my responsibility as a specialist. If I hold myself up to that degree, that caliber to understand my craft very 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 well yeah and so that's it's 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 a challenge but it's it's exciting yeah i like the uh, idea of being um you know lifelong education Mm -hmm. and just constantly learning and i don't know much about the anatomy and the medical field but i have heard that if you continue to learn and utilize your brain and things like that it can help prevent things like you know alzheimer's and and just your body in general withering and deteriorating away because you're mm-hmm. actually actively using it and continuing to stretch yourself. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea that they could, there was even a possibility to find new things in the human body because, I mean, it's not the Amazon or the ocean, you know, where we're still exploring. I, I just figured the body was figured out. Some new stuff all the time. Um, so that's the cool thing. That's That's one of the things I like about my career is that you can make it as complicated or as fundamental as you want to. Okay. And 
almost no matter what you do, some people are going to get better. Mm-hmm. But how good can you be? How optimal can you be? Because because I'm I have I also have the responsibility of people's money as well, right? Because yeah. I'm dealing with insurance, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with copays. Mm-hmm. So if somebody really wants to get better, but they can't afford their copay, or they can only afford, I need to see you for X amount of weeks, but you can only afford to come to me twice. Wow. So you got now to I have to think about outside the box. What can I do to give you the biggest bang for your buck to make the biggest change in a short amount of time? You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's always challenges. There's always unique opportunities. There's always um, things that I can, you know, improve on. So, so Charlotte Hornets, if you're listening, I can get your players better. Hey, I heard he's in the top seven percent, so you might want to call him. He's the guy to call. Um, I, I know you don't like to do um, like like you stated over generalizations of you know black people and stuff, but I do feel like it's important to pull something out that I mm-hmm. that I just picked up on. If you're with this specialization in the top seven percent in the world, how how many of that seven percent are minorities? So and when I say minorities, I, I, yeah, I specifically mean I, black people. I'm glad you asked. Let's let's pull it back to America because the okay. board that I'm under is the American Physical Therapy Board of Specialty Practice. Okay. So let's pull it let's pull it back to that. So let's say the top seven cent percent of PTs in America. They actually had a so a couple of statistics for you. Less than one, and I, you know the statistics. Mm-hmm. Less than one percent of all doctors are black males. Yes. So you have that statistic, right? So we're already automatically qualified in the ninety ninth percentile. So mm-hmm. less than one percent of that. Um, and then with this specialty. They actually had it listed out in my application packet and stuff like that, the demographics of this specialty. Mm. So 51%, 49% male, female. It's almost 50-50, male to female. Okay. Um, all ethnicities, all ethnicities. Think it broke down to 70% whites, then it had Hispanic, Asian, things like that. When it came to black African American, it was zero percent. Huh. Of all of the, I think there are about 1,700 when I registered. 1,700 specialists out of all physical therapists that are orthopedic. Okay. Zero percent registered as black. Now, that means one of two things. It's either the actual number of people who have this specialty weren't high enough to register as As a full percent. Or there's actually zero. Mm -hmm. And I hope that I don't think there's actually zero. But typically in statistics, you would represent that as less than 1%. Yep. You yep. Less than less, symbol. Less than 1%. Yep. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you could say that the amount of black orthopedic clinical specialists, male or female, is 0%, less than 1%. It's almost negligible. Okay. So if you add the statistic of out of all doctors that exist, less than 1% are black male. Mm-hmm. And then in my subspecialty, clearly less than 1%, they registered on paper as 0% are black, male or female. This is is an anomaly. It is. So, man, there's so much that I want to unpack from that because in, in terms of America, you are that guy. 
right? And it's all right. You you are. I mean, we can, it is what it is, right? That's why I have a private jet. So, <laughs> so you are that guy. But in terms of what you are doing in your in your space, do you feel like you're a pioneer because of your race? And is there some type of responsibility there as well? You know what? I carry that load for a long time, especially going throughout school. So at the school I went to, um, Lynchburg College, the way physical therapy school is broken up is three years. You have a year round. It's a year round program. So you have a summer, a fall, and a spring semester. So you got three full year round years. Out of each cohort, we had fifty, a maximum of fifty people mm. per cohort. And then if you don't pass the criteria, then you're you get kicked out the program, etc. Gotcha. And on faculty and staff, we might have had fifteen faculty members. Um, so in my class, when we started, there were two black people. And then one of them withdrew the first semester. So for for majority of my career, my school, my schooling career, I was the only black person out of, let's say, 150 people. Wow. So going through the curriculum and learning, I didn't realize how much it would impact me until I started doing it. Mm -hmm. But you don't really realize how many questions arise one how did this happen how would how am i the only one that met the qualifications and the criteria to be here gotcha that you know um and then the weight of i didn't realize how much trying to learn in an environment where i felt like an alien would affect my learning you know what I mean? Yeah. Where there's nobody else that looks like me would affect my learning because it's stressful. I mean, it's 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 grad school. It's a doctorate program. It's not easy. Yeah. You know, you've been through one. It's it's not easy. Yeah. Um, and you went the route that um, is opposite the way of I learned. So you went the hard route, in my opinion. Mm. Not to mention that you had a lot of other hurdles um, to accomplish. So salute to you. But it was a lot harder than I anticipated. The stress, how do you manage the stress? How do you manage the stress? And then the social issues that are going on above that. So I kind of carry the mantle of what a successful black man looks like, man looked like, okay. right? Because now I was all of a sudden representation of all black people yeah. to my counterparts, right? To my colleagues, mm -hmm. to my... Um, superiors, I was the representation of black people. To my peers, my equal, I was the representation of black people. So that was a, that was a heavy weight to carry, and it was it was a lot of stress. It was a lot of stress at times. I say I used to carry that because I learned to not embody that pressure. Okay. Um, I was I was sitting on a panel one time. Ironically enough, there was all black healthcare professionals. Gotcha. Surgeons, primary care, oncologists, me for physical therapy, all of that type of stuff. Right. And we're talking to the community about um, healthcare, understanding healthcare, healthcare literacy. Um, I'm just starting to learn what deductibles and out of pocket maxes mean when it comes to insurance. Yeah. How insurances work and stuff like that. 
how you go to see a specialist, how to navigate the system of healthcare. Mm-hmm. So we're talking to the community so they can get, because if you don't know, you won't get it. Yeah. You won't have access to the healthcare that you need if you don't know. So, and a young lady stood up and asked me a question at the very end. She was going to law school and she was in my shoes. She was the only black person in her law school. And she asked me, how did you carry that weight? Um, and I told her, in my opinion at the time, I said, you know, it's not your responsibility to be the poster, poster child for all black humanity. Because mm-hmm. black people are not a monographic type of person. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many different dimensions of black people. Even myself, there's so many different sides and aspects of me, mm-hmm. of you. You know what I'm saying? I'm a doctor. We just talked about all the percentile and elitism of, of my career, but yet I still wear J's and have tattoos. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can have an intelligent conversation, but at the same time, I still have a temper and I'll still tear up terrible situation if i need to yeah you know what i mean i love jesus and i love hennessy yeah so there it's it's unfair for one person to have to carry the load and change somebody's opinion of what black people are mm. because there's so many different types and in, 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 in aspects of black people so i told her i said be you wow i said be who you are get the learning and the education that you need and just and just just be you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't you you can't control how other people are gonna think and how other people are gonna respond. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of stress trying to do that. Mm-hmm. I can be the best me I can. I can be. Because if I'm not being if I'm not being true to myself and I'm trying to be a perfect black person, you know, what does that mean? What is that? Yeah. How come other races don't have to do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And not to make this, you know, turn turn this whole conversation, but to have the freedom to just be yourself. To be comfortable in your own skin. To be comfortable in yeah. your own skin yeah. is a luxury that a lot of times, especially successful black people don't have. Because then it's like, okay, what space do I fit in? Right? Mm-hmm. To some people, I'm a sellout. Or to some people... I mean, you understand what the street's going through. Look at you. You're successful. But then do I fully fit into corporate America? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you kind of hang in the middle of the balance. And it's like, look, I want to be me. And that's all. That's all you can be. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the episode. I hate to interrupt, but I had to tell you about a community that I'm a part of. It's called The Morning Meetup. It's where hundreds of entrepreneurs gather every single morning Look, we share ideas, we motivate each other, we share our successes. It's the perfect environment for you to not only grow as an individual, but as an entrepreneur. It's hosted by my mentor, David Shands. It's every day, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. It's no better way to start your day. Look, we've got a book club. Imagine hundreds of entrepreneurs reading the exact same book on the exact same chapter, you get to discuss that book and share your thoughts. It's very motivating. It empowers you. and You're ready to start your day. You get all of that for only $1. After that, it goes to $79 a month. I have no doubts that you're going to want to stay and be a part of this community. Look, I'm there every single morning, 8 a.m. The only thing we're missing is you. The link is in the description. Go ahead, click the link. Try it out. 
join the community. Look forward to seeing you in the morning. Um, something else you, you mentioned just a little while back, you were talking about uh, your mentors. You said you had seven mentors. Mm-hmm. And that really hit me because I know a lot of people, including myself for a long time in my life and in my career, I had no mentors. So you had seven. What, what was that like? And that was so that was during residency. Those those mentors actually that's almost a purpose of residency that's built into the program so that you can learn these different tech. Everybody has a different um, subspecialty as well. Right. right. And a different thing that they're good at. And so they pair you with these people intentionally so you can learn a little bit of everything. And that's how you advance your career. So, so some of my mentors have been practicing for 30 years okay. close to retirement. Yeah. So I'm getting 30 years of knowledge in six weeks you know, mm-hmm. or access to that, you know what I mean, throughout the whole year, but one on one for six weeks. So what happens is we're paired together and we actually treat patients together. OK, so as I'm doing a technique there, some of them are asking me, you know, why would you do that? Or, you know, let me show you something. And so I'm getting phenomenal information and stuff like that. doing that. So it was it was great. Now, I also have other mentors that I've sought out myself throughout my career, um, which is phenomenal. I mean, I and it makes me and I've mentored a lot of people as well. Mentorship is one of the best things that I've had to be successful. Best things. We just talked about it. It's an example that one, it can be done. Yeah, it's it's a person that you could that's already navigated these waters. They can give you the short. Honestly, it's in essence the embodiment of a podcast like this. Okay. Right. Yeah. How do I get there? I know where I want to get. How do I get there? Mm -hmm. And what's the most efficient way to get there? Yeah. Right. Because one of the one of the hardships of not having those examples and not having those mentors and which you can probably relate to is you spend a lot of time learning things the wrong way. And unlearning, yeah. And un- and then, which ha- makes you have to unlearn some things, yeah. right? You make a lot of mistakes on the way. Uh-huh. And then those mistakes become your mentors, right? Yeah. And then, so you have to learn things those way. But now you know, and a lot of the things that you've lived through in your life, you know what works, what doesn't work, what is efficient, what's not efficient. And now you have understanding that you can give to somebody, yeah. which makes you a great mentor, mm. right? But you had to be that trailblazer to cut down Oh, it's a lot of effort <laughs> blazing a path, right? Yeah. It's a lot easier to maintain that path. So the mentors and stuff, uh-huh. that mentorship, like I took my hat off to you if I had one on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because of the hard work that it took for you to go through that path. It's not easy. Yeah. It's frustrating sometimes. You feel lonely at times. You feel like, you know, for me, I always knew I was going to be successful. Yeah. Always. Hands down. It, it, it wasn't a question. It was just a more of a question of what I was going to be successful doing. How'd you know that? Because I had mentors. <laughs> I had examples. Man. I had great role models. Yeah. I've always had great role models. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? I had a fantastic older brother. I had good, even role models that were like on TV. And so I watch a lot of interviews. You know what I mean? Yeah. I listen to a lot of Nipsey Hussle. Nipsey Hussle is a genius in my mind. Yeah, you know I agree. What I mean? So you glean stuff from people, even if they're not physically with you, 
and you learn what can I implement in my life? What can I not implement in my life? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You look up to certain people. I like the way they did it. I don't like the way they did it. I don't want to do that. I do want to do this. Yeah. So I was able to glean all that information and shape it, use what I could to get to where I, I always knew I could be. Yeah. When, when you're looking for a mentor, what are you looking for? How do you find one? First mentor I've ever had in the profession of physical therapy. Um, black lady, Kai Kidney. Kai, if you're listening, thank you. Because she, what I did is I went around all the physical therapy clinics. This is when I was still in college. I hadn't even applied to physical therapy school or nothing like that. But I knew the requirements that you needed. You needed experience. You needed shadow hours. Yeah. So I went to all the clinics. I was calling and going in person and asking everybody, can I shadow you? Can I shadow you? Can I shadow you? Can I shadow you? Everyone said no. Really? She said yes. She happened to be a black lady. Yeah. Swagged out, dope, professional, but soulful, cool as I don't know what. You know that colleague, that that yeah. person you go to work with, he like, I you bet with you, <laughs> like that person. Yeah. But she was also professional and she was running the clinic. Okay. So she was an example of, man, I could be me and handle business and be professional at the same time. Yeah. And the first day I shadowed her, the newspaper was interviewing her. Okay. Had a whole set of cameras, lights, all that type of stuff. I was like, wow. wow. Yeah. And so it's kind of organic. You know what I mean? She kind of saw me, an eager, eager young black man, and it just clicked. You know what I mean? And to this day, we still keep in contact. It was 12 years ago. To okay. this day, we still keep in contact. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was phenomenal. I've learned from her. I got letters of recommendation from her. I just... You know, all those type of things that just happened in that case, kind of organically. Some mentors I had to seek out and it was more on a professional level. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not every mentor you're going to be able to go out and get drinks with and talk over bar conversation. But still, um, you know, it really depends on what you're seeking for. But it has to be a um, what I call a symbiotic relationship. You know what I mean? Both parties have to agree. Hey, I want you to be my mentor. Will you mentor me? At some point, there should be a conversation like that. Hey, will you mentor me? Will you? That's important. That's important. I I think a lot of people assume that they have a mentor just because they're watching a particular person or just because they're um, asking, you know, questions to a person and getting information. But you're saying it needs to be an actual relationship. Yeah. A role model is different than a mentor. You know what I mean? You can't. That could be a role model. Like, oh, man, like Steph Curry is a role model for a lot of people. He's not a mentor for a lot of people. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. You can't assume that you're in a relationship with me if (laughs) if we never established that relationship. That's stalker. That's a stalker stalker at this point. That's a felony. Don't do that. (laughs) That's a felony. So, (laughs) yeah, the the mentorship relationship is a lot more intentional. Yeah. There's a lot more. It's 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 a it's a conversation, right? It's a mm-hmm. back and a forth. So it needs to that needs to happen. Um, like I said, role model can be, man, I'm looking at you, I'm observing you, I'm gleaning from you, and you don't even know it. But a mentor should, if you ask a mentor, are you his mentor? That mentor should say, yeah. Right. It shouldn't come as a surprise. Not like what? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. What, what do you demand out of your mentees? You've said you've also done it the other way mm-hmm. and you've helped people along the way as well. What, what do you kind of demand from them? 
That's a good question because they, and that's the reason why this mentorship needs to have a conversation. Because if you want something from me, there's expectations and requirements I expect from you mm-hmm. as a mentee. Um, one of them, honestly, um, for me, it's come to me, like ask me questions. Like if you have access to me, use me, right? Don't, there's there's a lot, there's a few um, gentlemen that I've mentored in my program, in my, at my alma mater that came after me. Okay. I'm like, look, <clears throat> I was the first um, cohort that entered the program once it became accredited. Okay. So when we were there, we had a lot of say so as students in developing the curriculum and developing the overall thing. So I'm like, I know these roads. I know these professors. I know these courses. Use me. You know what I mean? Um, but then also don't waste my time. Yeah. Because my definitely. time, if, if you're going to do this, let's be serious. <clears throat> let's be efficient with the time that we have. Let's be intentional. <clears throat> you know, um, I, I like to talk. We can sit around and talk. But if you really want to get something from me have a question in mind or have an objective in mind when you come to ask me something, you know, you could ask me broad questions like, so how was your experience? I mean, okay, I could tell you that, but what do you need to get out of this? Tell me what you need to get out of this and I can help you get there. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you have a, a specific mind or a goal or an endpoint, I can help you get to that point. But if you don't, if we're not trying to get somewhere, then we're just friends. You know what I mean? A mentor should be helping you get to an end, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, a mentor should be helping you get to an end. So what's the objective of what we're trying to get to? Is that clear? Yeah. And what can I do to get you there? All right. I think that's I think that's important to know, just as important as establishing the relationship, which mm-hmm. you have to um, set those boundaries. And it's very key not to waste somebody's time, especially somebody who's um, killing it and is elite as you. I mean, you don't want to just burn up those those hours that's expensive those brain cells brains wow. seriously yeah. so not to mention the brain cells are almost more important than the than the than the hours because time is something you can't get back right you can get money back you can get mm. friendships relationships back but in my opinion i measure things by brain cells there's only a so there's only so many decisions that a person can make in a day before they burn out and they just start making bad decisions wait hold on <laughs> All right, back back it up. There's only so many decisions that you can make in a day. Only so many decisions you can make in a day. And then after that, you've kind of burnt your brain out, and now you're going to just start making. Do you or do you not get frustrated when you're tired? Very. Why? I get, I, I get like a like a five year old. A five year old. Well, I don't know five, but I threw a number out. Right. Yeah. You, you throw a temper tantrum because yeah. it's like, listen, I I can't think anymore. Yeah. You, have you ever got to the point where it's like, don't ask me no more questions? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. stop talking to me yeah. because I can't think anymore. Mm-hmm. You've used all your decision making for that day. And you just need time. You just need to either recluse. For me, I it might be someone like going playing golf. Yeah. Doing something mindless, doing a mindless activity. Okay. Some people play video games. Some people listen to music. Mm-hmm. Some people work out. So you have to recharge that, that, that energy. For me, personally, I got to apologize to my wife because I was a butthole this morning. Because I knew I was going to have a podcast. I'm tired. I have a new newborn baby at home. Yeah. I didn't get no sleep. I'm like, I need to be on my best during this podcast. So don't talk to me. <laughs> I didn't tell her that. Yeah, but that's the fi- that's but, the feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so she got offended. Like, And she kind of knows at this point, like, all right, it's <clears> not me. He's in his mood. He's in, You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But she's asking me what I want to eat. Which direction do we need to go? Do we need to turn here? Do we need to stop there? Do we... It's like, can you make these decisions so that so I, I can save? I'm thinking of other stuff of right now. I can't. I can't God. do all of this stuff. So, a lot of really, really successful people, they wear even down to what they pick out to wear. Either that's already determined for them, or they wear the same thing every yeah, day. Yeah, if you look, if you look at like a um, like a Steve Jobs or a. Uh, What's he wear? Like white t-shirt, blue jeans, yeah, something like that? something simple. Every day. I thought they were just trying not to flash their money. He's running a building. Well, that could be a part of it. But he's you don't know how much that white t-shirt costs. Though. That's true. It ain't my it white t-shirt. It could be pure jock, Egyptian, Egyptian cotton. Egyptian cotton. Egyptian. Thousand count. Yeah. But he's running a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. Can't be worried about what I want to eat today. There's people for that. Every day I'm going to wear. For, and I implemented yeah. that. Every Monday I was wearing a white shirt. I knew I was wearing a white button-up shirt to to work. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm so, and that's why my life is so organized and so everything has its place. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to think about it. Babe, where are my keys? My keys should be where my keys are always at. You know what I mean? Yeah. I put things and I organize things in the place so I can almost be certain things I could almost be on autopilot. Yeah. Like you ever driving somewhere, you're not, you just get there. You're not really. Mm-hmm. focused on unless there's like a detour or something like that. Yeah. You but just, you know that you route. just get there. You don't even have to think about it. Right. Turn here. So when somebody you only have to think about when somebody asks for directions. Yeah. But oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> you pass a walk. I think there's a wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just on autopilot. So you just save your decision making for when it really counts. Man, that's that's incredible. I never even really thought about it like that. And thinking about the fact that you have to sometimes recharge mm-hmm. before you even became a doctor what were you into then so i've always had set myself major goals right there's been three major goals that i've had for my life okay um when i was in when i was in high school um i played a couple different sports but i got cut from the jv basketball team Whatever coach, you know who you are, who cut me. <laughs> if you're watching this, look at me now. You shouldn't have cut him. So I got cut from basketball in 10th grade. And one of my friends was like, why don't you come run track? Okay. Like, I don't know nothing about track. I was like, I'm not going to come run track. Like, well, you can't do nothing. Come on, run track. Man, I don't know nothing about track. Y'all been running track since middle school, man. Yeah. It's too late for me. He was like, man, there are girls out there. I signed up the next I'm day. <laughs> I signed up the next day um, and ended up really getting really into it. So my goal was to go Division One in track. Okay. So much so when I was in high school, I made an email because that's when email was, you know, you had to have a good, how, how creative can you make your email, right? Yeah. Email address. Now it's first name dot last name, right? Yeah. How creative can you make your email address? So I made an email address, Division One Athlete at Yahoo.com. Okay. So um, I, 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 I did that, and the goal was, all right, I want to go D1. Mm-hmm. So to a lot of people who know athletes, you know, you got to sign up for a clearinghouse, NCAA, and stuff like that. Um, your junior year is really the big year. 11th grade year is when you're supposed to shine to get all your offers or okay. all your recruits. They start watching you at that time. Yeah, that's when you need to have a breakout so they can make their decision. Gotcha. By senior year, it's too late. Okay. Everyone is already signing their letters of intent and stuff like that. Colleges have stopped recruiting. It's too late. Mm-hmm. 
So my entire junior year, I was injured. Entire junior year, I was injured. And I couldn't compete. And that was like the most stressful thing to a teenager, right? Whose goal was to go to Division One? Because I knew how big that junior year was. Yeah. And that's also the year I decided that I wanted to be in healthcare. Because, because me, you were injured? Because of injury. So with me oh. not being able to compete and going to specialists after specialists and nobody can figure out what's going on. Um, and I had to miss out a whole year. I was like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't, I don't want to fix this. Yeah. I don't want anybody to feel what I'm feeling right now. I can't do what I want to do because X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So I made a decision, one, that I want to go into healthcare. Okay. I didn't know which area of healthcare, but I wanted to go into healthcare. Um, and then, long story short, senior year, I kind of, it was the last minute. Literally, like, I think there was a track meet either before, the week before or the week after graduation. Like literally last minute, okay. That um, that I got picked up by Liberty University yeah. and became a Division One athlete. So that was the biggest goal right there. Shout out to Coach Price because he he also made it happen and drove me up there and and we made that decision. Um, so first big goal, Division One athlete. So track was my thing. Indoor track, outdoor track, AEU. I was almost running track year round. Mm-hmm. So went to college for track and then. Um, my second big goal was to make it to PT school. Yeah. So physical therapy school now has been the one of the most um, difficult post uh, um, graduate schools to get into. The rigor, um, the odds of getting into PT school were harder than getting into med school. Okay. So it was really aggressive, you know. So my next goal, my next big goal. All right, I made it D one. Check that off. Had a Phenomenal, fun time. Um, won the conference. I don't know how many times we, we won. Almost every time we competed in the Big South Conference, we won. Um, now it's like, all right, after college, what am I going to do? I know I'm not going to go professional. That's yeah. not even on my list. I don't oh. even want to do that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> PT school. I want to be a physical therapist. I want to study for that. I want to do it. Boom. First year I applied, I actually did not get in. To any of the schools I applied to, I applied to three schools. Okay. I remember there was one week. It was, in my opinion, it was like a horrible week. We got, I remember I failed a physics exam. Mm. I had gotten three denial letters to my grad schools. And this was in like April, May's May's graduation. Okay. Grad school starts in June. (laughs) So denied, three denial letters. um, And we got an eviction notice on our apartment. Because apparently one of my roommates wasn't paying the rent. We thought it was paying the rent. He wasn't. Oh, stop. So all in one week, I was like, yeah. So I actually did not go to grad school right after college. Mm-hmm. I took a year um, and then reapplied and actually got in the second year. Um, so those that was what I was into. That was kind of my path leading towards grad school. And during that year between undergraduate, I had gotten a... Um, a health fitness specialist certification as a part of my degree. Okay. And so that allowed me to work in a local gym as a personal trainer, but not just a regular personal trainer, a personal trainer that's uh, equipped to handle people that are pregnant, Mm. people that have diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, you know, all those things that you have to have special considerations on. Like I can't just put you on a treadmill and tell you to run forever. Okay. You'll die. (laughs) So I have to know, you know, if you have cancer, how can I work you out? If you have multiple sclerosis, how can I work you out? So I was able to find a niche for that 
and really work um, in a gym that whole time. And I didn't realize how good that was going to set me up for physical therapy. Yeah. Um, and then I was able to go into my into my career. How important is goal setting for you to get to the level of success that you've had? Because you, you you talk about you've had these three major goals in your life and you hit them all. So congratulations on that. Thanks. But how important was that goal setting? I mean, if you do you think that you would have got to these different levels and these different places if you didn't have it, you know, predetermined in your mind? It would have been a lot harder and a lot more inefficient. Okay. I think in order to get somewhere, you have to know where you're going. Mm. Um, the how is always going to be different for everybody, right? But just like I tell my my mentees, in order for us to be productive, we have to know what the end goal is. Yeah. Right? So for me, goal setting is very important. Very important. To the point where I, I write it down. I don't necessarily do vision boards because I'm just not that type of person, but I, I love to write them down. Okay. You know, my major goals, or I just fixate on it so much that I'm, I I know I want to do this. I know I want to be this. And it's, it's, it's everything else. If it doesn't, not everything else, but majority of my energy needs to line up with getting me there. Okay. If not, it's just wasted energy, which I'm fine wasting energy if that's my goal. Mm-hmm. You know, it, sometimes you just want to waste energy. And just have a good time. Sometimes you just want to have a good time, not yeah. think about nothing. And you know it's wasted energy. But that can't like, become your norm. Wasted energy can't, can't become, become your norm. norm. Yeah. Right. That can't become your norm. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm putting on um, a GPS, the first thing I have to do is type in my destination. Yeah. And then it figures out, if not, it's not going to know where to go. So the goal setting is like, what is my endpoint? My goal is my endpoint. I have to have an endpoint or else I don't know where to start, yeah. where I'm going to stop, and what turns to make along the way. So yeah, goal setting for me is is super important, and it might look different for everybody. You know, goal setting for you might look like a vision board. It might yeah. look like a person. Sometimes people are goals. I've had a lot of people comment when I was on social media, like me and my wife would post a picture. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are goals. Yeah. I don't know how they got that from one picture, but you guys are <laughs> goals. You know what I mean? Um, side note, just because somebody's photogenic doesn't mean things are picture perfect. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't don't just judge off of the picture. But um, yeah, goals can look a lot different for a lot of people, but you have to have something in mind okay. that you could manifest physically. When you were achieving that last goal, you said you hit an obstacle, right? And, and I know a lot of people can can give up. They deal with obstacles a lot differently, right? And, and, and sometimes that can look like uh, almost a sign to, to quit or to not do it. But you dealt with not getting accepted, you know, into PT school. You dealt with an eviction and I believe there was something else that you was dealing with at that time, but e- either way, it was a, it was a lot of pressure on you at that specific moment. How do you go about dealing with you know obstacles that come up with you in life, and how do you remain you know resilient? I think obstacles can be looked at a couple of different ways. Sometimes people run into roadblocks and things of that nature because there's well, there's a couple of ways to look at it. 
For me, I was so sure that I was doing what I'm, you know, some people say I'm called to do or living in my purpose or doing what I was created for, what I was meant for. You knew it was your purpose. Yeah, I knew it was my purpose. People would ask me in high school, they'd be like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I just knew I wanted to help people and impact lives. Yeah. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. Okay. That's what I was naturally good at. That's what I was. I was always the guy that, you know, <laughs> the girl that I liked would come to me and be like, the, per- the person I like is not talking to me. Can you go talk to them? <laughs> like, I'm the middleman. Like, no, man, talk to me. Like, I don't want you to talk to me. So I was yeah. always a pe- per- I was always the problem solver, the mm-hmm. middle person. You know, I was always that type of, that was my role. Yeah. And so I knew my profession would line up with that somehow. Do something. And people quote and say, uh, you know, your purpose is something that you would do without somebody having to pay you for it. Yeah. Which I was going to get paid, but I love what I do. Like I would, like I go to Walmart and I see people walking and I'm like, you need quad strength, you need terminal knee extension, you need more hip extension. Like I can't turn it off. Like I look at people and I'm like, I'll treat you. Like I will treat people for free. Yeah. Just because it's what I like to do. Right. I just can't make a living off. So, so that's how you know. So that's how I knew um, what I was trying to accomplish was the right thing. So with that mindset, if a roadblock came up, I just knew I had to hurdle over it or find some way to pat around it. Mm-hmm. I say that to say some people, if you're some people, roadblocks come up because that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to force something to happen and it's not, if you're constantly trying to force to make it work, force to make it work and every door is shutting, yeah. that might be a sign that how do you know this is what you're supposed to be doing? You know what I'm saying? Got it. So for me, it was, I know without a shadow of a doubt, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm good at. This is what I want to do. This is what I love. This is my passion. I, You know what I mean? I just have to figure out ways to make it work. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but some people I see just r- ramming their heads into the wall and getting so stressed. And you're like, um, maybe this isn't, you know what I mean? I've seen it. And I've seen people make that pivot mm-hmm. and they just take off. They just take off. You know, one of my line brothers, we were talking the other day, um, when he was in grad school and he was trying to do, um, I think it was like cybersecurity or something like that. And he okay. hated it. Like he was, cr- he was like so frustrated with the L work. Um, but he knew he wanted to get a mat. He knew he needed a master's degree for the next level and stuff like that. Okay. He made a switch to digital marketing and now he's a vice president of a digital marketing company. Wow. You know what I mean? Yes. And it just took off. That's yeah. what makes sense to him. That's what he's good at. You know, he, he, and he just took off. From yeah. The Bible, um, the Lord's talking at, at, a, at a point and he says, uh, my way is easy and my yoke is light. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I use in my personal life to know if I'm in the right place, the right space, mm. and the right time. Because it should, you're gonna have obstacles, you're gonna have things that happen, but you should have a, a feeling over you that this is the right thing to do. This is the right space. When I look back at it, it was, I hesitate to say this word, but it was easy. Grad school, yeah. I had to work for it. But, but it came easy. It you. came easy. There was There was never a point where I thought, I can't make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy to think. You yeah. know what I mean? We just talked about the statistics. Yeah. A lot of people haven't made it. Yeah. But there was never a point where I'm like, you get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But 
I mean, I can get overwhelmed if there are 30,000 people in this room. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can make it to the door and get out. You know what I'm saying? That's it's, true. You just know how to manage situations. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even the only thing that I thought I wasn't going to accomplish, literally, was that certification exam. I was surprised when it said pass. I was genuinely surprised. Everything else, I knew I knew I was going to get the degree. I knew I was going to get even the job. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, all those type of things. I knew I knew it was happening. Like you still excited when it happens, but deep down inside you like, I know this is mine. Yeah. Um, by the way, even residency, the first time I applied for my residency, I didn't get accepted. And I was like, what? <laughs> How? Like, I know for sure that this is the next step. Yeah. It got delayed a year and then I got accepted that next year. And when I reached back out to it's the only time I've ever been denied for something that I reached back out and asked for feedback. Okay. And they're like, you know what? We really liked you. You were a top candidate. It was a hard choice to make. Can you please reapply next year? They asked me, can you please reapply next year? Okay. I was like, okay. I thought I was going crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I did it and it worked. And the timing was perfect. It just wasn't my time. Yeah. Looking back at it, the timing was so perfect. I'm glad I didn't get accepted the first year that I wanted to. You know what I mean? But yeah. that certification exam, I knew for sure. I, I, when I found out I passed, I was genuinely surprised. I did not think I was I did not think I was going to do it, but I, you know what I mean. So, but what's funny is I knew. Everyone else did. I knew you. Had. Everyone else did. Everyone oh, so, else. so just just so y'all know, this is my brother. This is my brother. My, my real brother. Can so tell? <laughs> <laughs> he got all the looks. I, I just I had to put a hat on. <laughs> but yeah, so I knew that you that you were going to be successful uh, with that. I, I didn't have any doubts. I watched you work. I watched you study. I watched you prepare. I mean, but I can imagine, I, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine the amount of nerves that it took to wait three months to find out on some results. Man. But was, congratulations, was, man. Was that was an emotional week because that's also the week that I found. So, <clears throat> well, everyone knew except me. I was like, I was like, everyone was like, oh, you passed. I was like, you weren't You, were, <laughs> you, were you don't know. <laughs> we talked about how many good decisions I can uh-huh. make. Yeah. Out of 200 questions, my question seven I was out of good decisions. Good decisions. It got to the point where I was like, "Ain't been being a while." (laughs) It was was rough. So the week I I had to travel out of town to take the exam. So I get back from Columbia to Charlotte, about an hour and a half. The week I get back, my wife looks at me and was like, "We need to take a pregnancy test." I was like, "What? We have been trying to have kids." So the week I take my test, I find out that we're pregnant with our first child. Wow. And then the week I get the results, we find out the gender of our child. Lined up. It's crazy. It is. It's crazy. So um, I had prepared myself. I was like, look, I got a healthy baby. I don't care what this is. Yeah, yeah, I don't care what the results say. Right. And it said I passed. And I was See, one floored. on one on both counts. I was floored. So one on both it was counts. a blessing. It was a blessing. Yeah. Blessing. Like, I can't. A lot of times we don't really realize it takes conversation like like this mm-hmm. conversations with other people. And this is why I appreciate this podcast so much for us to realize and reflect how much we've accomplished and yeah. how much of a even an inspiration we are to other people. Yeah. Because one thing I've learned is always somebody watching. Yeah. There's always somebody watching. And that person watch, I mean, there's there's people watching waiting for you to mess up. Of course, they're always going to be there. Mm-hmm. But it's always somebody watching this, rooting you on, 
or that's inspired by what you're doing mm-hmm. or that's motivated by what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? And so conversations like this make at least me think like, man, I forgot about all that. Yeah. Like, man, we I we did work to get here. Mm-hmm. Like this was a journey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just because it was easy, um, you know what I mean, doesn't mean it wasn't hard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I you get, know what I mean? I get, sometimes you gotta sit back and reflect because you're living in the moment. You're mm-hmm. living in the now. Yeah. And you gotta look back and say, look what all I've been through. And, and I'm still here. And I did it. Like, like people need to. I encourage people to brag on yourself more. Like, brag on yourself more. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the reason why I say that is because for most people, we're our own hardest critic. You're right. Yeah. You know what I mean? We if if you we're so hard on ourselves and we're so ah, that wasn't good enough. Oh, I need to do that better next time. Blah, blah, blah. Like, give yourself some credit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You the man, you the woman, you the you the business. You the sugar honey iced tea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you are some, you know what I'm saying? Like big yourself up. Like it will take you a lot further. Like you, you have accomplished a lot. You are elite. Mm. You are an extraordinary person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like stuff like that. Like you, you got it. You know what I'm saying? You got like you ever seen that that old that old head to come up to you, hey probably look at you looking all good looking good you looking like it make you feel good I'm trying yeah. to be like you all oh, no, you, no, you got it you got it you got it look at you look at you look at you look at you looking like you looking you know what I'm saying yeah. that makes you feel you leave that man like oh I knew I had it like, yeah, you know still dripping so like you know that's that's important we need we need more of that yeah we definitely need more of that so it starts with you like encourage yourself you the bum. Absolutely. So one thing I like to do um, b- before I close out every episode is point out a few clues that I picked up during the conversation. And so a couple things that I picked up from you. One is uh, mentorship mm-hmm. and not only mentorship, a lot of us hear and and know that we might need a mentor, but how to approach that mentorship. Mm-hmm. And so being specific and coming up with an actual relationship uh, for that mentorship um, that you talked about was really important. And then also, if you're a mentee, make sure that you are not, you know, wasting that mentor's time. Make sure that you're doing your part to reach the goals and destination that it is that you want. I think that relationship would be a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing you talked about was your uh, resiliency and how you overcome, you know, certain obstacles and, and really how you just change your mindset and look at those obstacles. Mm-hmm. And just keep uh, pressing forward, especially when you know that this is your purpose or this is the the end result that, yeah. that you have. And I think your purpose, Sean, you know, a lot brighter for you because your purpose isn't self-centered. Your purpose was that you want to help other people. And I think that kind of drove you, you, you know, a lot more to get to the, the end results, you know, and, right. and to get to that um, success. And then uh, the, the other thing I kind of noticed was. Um, you're talking about, you know, congratulating yourself, bigging up yourself. Uh, I definitely don't do that. Um, I'm, I'm humble a lot. I know most people are humble and not necessarily because they always think that they didn't do a good job, but they don't want to, you know, come off as boisterous, you know, Mm -hmm. or something like that. But sometimes letting people know what you've done 
can encourage other people to get there. Yep. Listening to your, you know, the story and everything that you've been through um, just lets lets everybody else know that, wait a minute, I'm hitting this particular obstacle. Like, like you talked about the friend of yours that was uh, law school, mm-hmm. right? Her hearing your story on the panel helped her progress, mm-hmm. you know, to get to where she is. And I know a lot of the viewers are going to not only, you know, notice those clues, but pick up you know, whatever other clues. And so, you know, I appreciate you coming. I appreciate, appreciate you coming all the way from Charlotte and, and taking the time to spend some mm-hmm. of your mental capacity with me today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel good. I mean, I've been drinking my, drinking my coffee. So hopefully I can figure out where we're going to eat after this. Cause that takes a lot of decision-making. I hope you are. Cause my wife won't ask me. I got you. I, I go through it all the time. And it causes a lot of arguments, but we're going to leave it right there. I'd be like, all I ask you is what you want. But anyway, we're going to leave it right there until next time. And I want y'all to remember, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Until next time on the Success Leads Clues podcast. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.